Just a reminder, today's conference is being recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for your patience. Your conference call is scheduled to begin momentarily. Please do not disconnect your lines. You will be listening to music until the call begins. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for your patience. Your conference call is scheduled to begin momentarily. Please do not disconnect your line. You'll be listening to music until the call begins. Please press star 1 to queue up for questions during the conference. Thank you.
Just a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. Thanks everybody for uh, coming and uh, thanks for your patience. Um, we are uh, earlier today, the Alberta government uh, released the final report of the Rural Health Services Review Committee and in that report uh, made some recommendations to Alberta Health Services. I'm here to speak with you today 
is uh, Vicki Kaminsky, Alberta uh, Health Services President and Chief Executive Officer, to speak about uh, some of the work that's going to be done uh, going forward uh, in this regard. Uh, some opening comments. Uh, Great. I'll just uh, really make some very brief opening comments and then uh, perhaps take your questions. So as Bruce has just mentioned earlier today, uh, Health Minister Stephen Mandel and MLA Dr. Richard Starkey released the final report of the Rural Health Review Committee uh, that had originally started its work in September of 2014. The report contains a number of recommendations, many of which we believe will apply to AHS, and we're going to begin work shortly on reviewing each of the recommendations to determine exactly what action uh, we need to take and in what time frame we need to take it. But the provincial government noted today that there are two areas where actions uh, are already underway at, at uh, AHS. The first one is in uh, further developing a provincial EMS service delivery model. And the second is in getting a stronger voice in local decision making and being able to push out to uh, district operating districts those decisions where it makes sense for us to do that. So while most of you are familiar with the changes to the EMS delivery model, the establishment of the 8 to 10 operational districts is in fact a new initiative for AHS. The objectives that we have in doing this, in making those changes, are to improve local input, as I said, into decisions that can be made at a more granular local level than what we've currently seen, into things like resource allocation at either the community site or program level, and looking at how we can streamline timely and effective decisions. We've heard from a number of people that we have built with AHS a bit of a cumbersome uh, decision-making process in some areas and that they believe that there's an opportunity for us to enhance their ability to be involved in and give us input into decisions at a more local level. We don't have a fully fleshed out plan for that as yet, other than to look at between eight and ten operational districts. We're going to ask each of those districts to come up with an advisory committee, so we'll, we'll talk about the process for uh, committee selection and uh, what the qualities would be that we're looking for. These will be advisory to the local sites and, and services within that district. They will be volunteers. So we are not looking at uh, uh, establishing boards or having paid board members. These will be volunteers who have a knowledge of the, of the area where they live and have, uh, want to have input into the decisions around health services in those areas. So the uh, advisory committees will then re um, have a direct reporting relationship into, with the designated leadership teams uh, within those districts that will be accountable to a vice president, uh, a vice president dyad for the north and one for the south, who will sit at the executive leadership table and, and give us all advice then on some of the issues that we see emerging. They'll have an opportunity to talk about things like resource allocation. We plan to give responsibility for capital repair budgets back to the local uh, operating districts so that they can make decisions on where to spend that money most effectively. We're going to keep those some centralized decision making within AHS, so decisions around big new capital bills, uh, a new hospital, a new uh, family health center, whatever it might be, will still need to be coordinated centrally through Alberta Health Services. 
And we're also going to keep uh, new technology, big new technology decisions will be made uh, centrally as well. So we'll keep some control over that. And I used the example before of, you know, we don't want to see a hospital make a decision to have robotic surgery if they don't have the supports in place for robotic surgery. And so we're going to need to coordinate that decision uh, through AHS itself. We're also going to keep overall functions in finance and human resources and communications uh, fairly centralized. So while we have unilaterally made the decision to move into these operating districts, we know that we're going to have to consult with people to see what the districts actually should look like, what the boundaries should be, how we can make them most effective, and how we can accomplish what we've heard from our communities, which is uh, that they want to be more involved in giving us advice, giving us counsel, and having some local autonomy for the decisions being made. So we are going to go out uh, over the next couple of weeks with a communications plan about how we're going to solicit uh, input both with, uh, within AHS and external to AHS and look to uh, continue that process of consultation over April and May be able to consolidate what we hear then in June and come up with the final approach for these operating districts and put them into effect by July 1. That's really all the formal remarks I had for now, and uh, I'd be happy to take questions. So what I hear is local um, site work, local administration will decide how to spend money. Right. Who will decide? how much they get. So um, that's really the board's decision. So we're, we are getting back to having a board at AHS and they, uh, with our advice centrally, look at the distribution of resource right across the entire province for health service. So there is a fairly good um, history of how much everybody gets and what money is currently spent within those districts, whatever that district ends up being. So we would look to consolidate that information and say, here's how much you currently get, here's where we spend it, are we spending it in the right place? Uh, not, uh, can we give you more? That's <laughs> not going to be our, our line for a bit, but, but rather, are we, are we actually using this to the best uh, available use within this district, or is there something else we could do? And I, I use the example of Slave Lake as an area that came up with a way to uh, use the resources they currently had and do something different. And they've made some, some significant impacts in that area. So we need to have more examples like that. What timeline have you been given in terms of when a board of directors will be, I guess, we appointed, not elected, um, and uh, will be there to provide overall guidance to you on, on allocations of money and the like? So that's really a question that uh, should be directed, I think, to the minister. Alberta Health has uh, put out an RFP for a search firm to be able to come in and help with the development of the matrix for board member skills and abilities and uh, are working through that now. So uh, they are more closely uh, related to those timelines than Alberta Health Services at the moment. So we are, we're, we're working through some, uh, some issues with the provincial EMS uh, model. I think that it, it's an excellent model. It's seen to work in many other jurisdictions and provinces uh, across Canada and, and outside of Canada. So we've got um, some work underway. We have uh, clearly um, got some 
uh, distribution of, of personnel and, and ambulances that we need to look at. We need to think about how we can tie in our rural areas and our urban areas and make the best use of everybody's resource so that we can have very quick turnaround times and response to our patients. So um, we are right now concentrating on looking at how do we get offloading of ambulances and emergency departments to happen quickly. Is there a way for us to use different transport methods for patients who are being transferred into facilities so that we can use our provincial resource differently? Are we contracting out? Contracting out? So contracting out, uh, we, we don't have a patient transport system now that doesn't use um, existing teams of, of EMS and ambulances. So we're looking at whatever opportunities we might have for doing it differently. So it may be a purchase service, it may be a contract or it may be additional uh, resources within the EMS. So we haven't ruled anything out or in. Do you have a timeline for that? Uh, so we need, well, we've, we've asked our, uh, our EMS group to come back to us with, with some recommendations that will dovetail with the uh, report that we were getting on the rural review committee and uh, on the recommendations coming out of that report as well. So I would think over the course of the next four or five months, we'll have some specific strategies and actions for EMS that will look at how we uh, continue to roll out that provincial system. Uh, Sabrina, if we have any uh, callers that would like to ask Ms. Kavinsky a question, please. Yes. The following question comes from Don Bray from Calgary, Herland. Please go ahead. Uh, Ms. Kaminsky, um, we've been at this news conference before in many ways with reorganizations, and um, I get the sense, though, from some of the things you're saying that this is a big one, that if you really are going to decentralize major power to these districts, uh, it means some radical changes within um, AHS itself. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, and I will ask a follow-up question if I may, is is this a major reorganization of healthcare in Alberta? I wouldn't classify it as a major reorganization of healthcare. I, I would classify it as a huge step towards getting uh, closer to our communities and hearing more from our communities on uh, how we're spending tax dollars, where we're spending tax dollars, and listening to their advice about how we could do it differently. Well, if, if the decision-making really is going to go to the local um, um, uh, regions as to how much gets spent where, uh, I guess the how much is decided uh, centrally, but where it gets spent, who, who is the boss? Who, if, if, the, if there's a local region, I presume Calgary and Edmonton will have, will have districts themselves. Who is the boss in those regions? Is it a, a vice president you'll appoint, or who does that? So at Alberta Health Services, we work on what we call a dyad model, where we have an administrative representative and a physician representative who right now, if we look at our five zones, each zone has a dyad and they're responsible for um, working within their areas in their zones to be able to coordinate all of these decisions and then to bring that to the executive leadership team. So what we would be uh, presuming is that we're going to push that model down into the districts and have uh, dyad operating districts that will have represent uh, be represented by dyads like that, uh, that would be able to help facilitate decision-making at that level as well. 
So we will have, Edmonton will have, um, is going to be an operating district, we presume, and Calgary, we presume, will be an operating district. Uh, I heard that the minister said that Lethbridge would likely be one. I think those are the things that we have to take out across the province and have conversation about and what does it make sense to do. And then, uh, you're right, we will be looking for advice, we will be looking for input, and we will be looking to those advisory councils who we expect will meet quarterly to let us know if we are if we are making the right decisions and if we are actually listening to what they're saying. It's not going to change dramatically uh, the amount of service that's available within a local community, but it may change the way we provide that service. And so I'll use the example of, uh, you know, if we have a hospital and if we have an emergency department and if we have very few emergency visits but we're staffing that emergency department, we might hear from that operating district that says, could we make that more an urgent care clinic that provides uh, physician and multidisciplinary team support on a more regular basis rather than running it as an emergency department. So can we change that around if that's what we really need? Thanks. Could I take you back to the ambulances for one moment if I could interject again? Um, how can we, uh, one understands that there's some serious problems in rural areas, especially with um, ambulances basically getting co-opted when they when they come from rural areas into uh, into the city and used within the city and not getting back to the rural areas that that's bad. But how can a person in who's who's waiting who who comes from say downtown Calgary to the foothills um, how how can that oops, how can that per a person who's waiting in an ambulance in um, Calgary, from Calgary, be sure that they're not going to get bumped by somebody coming in from Rimby uh, whose medical need may not be as great? So the, uh, the whole approach to emergency patients is to uh, do triage and to treat the most urgent patient first. And so if the person on the uh, stretcher in the ambulance coming in from downtown Calgary is more urgent than the patient from uh, rural Alberta, they'll still be they'll be treated in that manner. Our goal, though, is to put in place some supports within our emergency departments that would allow rural ambulances to to offload the patient, not necessarily have them be seen or treated outside of their triage score, but to allow the rural ambulance then to be able to get back into uh, to its community to be responsive to the 911 calls. But the worst thing that we could do is to look at uh, keeping people longer than they need to be kept inside uh, the facility itself, and I'm talking about the EMS personnel, if there's ways for us to be able to free them up to go back. So it doesn't mean that the patient they drop off gets seen quicker. It means that they get released to go back to respond to their 911 calls in a more expeditious fashion. Thanks, Don. We need to give some other folks a chance. Uh, Sabrina, have we got any other uh, callers? Yes. following question comes from Art Gerani from AHS. Please go ahead. Hello, Ms. Kaminsky. I just have a question about the actual district uh, boundaries. And if it is found that a district would, say, straddle two zones, do you see that the zone boundaries would be changed to keep the district within a zone in its entirety? Or would potentially districts straddle current zone boundaries? So the, uh, the answer to that is that we're going to take that out for discussion and consultation, but in actual fact, 
from an operating perspective, uh, the zones will not be in existence. So as we move into our operating districts, the operating districts will take precedent uh, in how we actually do our work. Thank, thank you, Art. Um, Sabrina, we'll need to move on to media questions, please. If uh, you have another reporter on there that would like to ask a question, please put them through. Okay, thank you. Following question comes from Jordi Dwiner from Achabasca Advocate. Please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon. Ms. Um, Kaminsky, we've, uh, rural Alberta has obviously uh, taken the brunt of uh, cuts in the past uh, and uh, everything else, but uh, with this return uh, to more or less local decision making, uh, uh, and you've already stated that uh, capital repairs would be uh, placed under their purview. Uh, given the fact that uh, you've already said that no more money is going to be uh, allocated than what's already been done, what does this mean for uh, hospitals such as uh, Athabasca, Boyle, uh, other rural ones that uh, have a very uh, major and uh, uh, very expensive uh, infrastructure uh, uh, maintenance deficit? Well, the infrastructure um, uh, right across Alberta will, will still continue to be coordinated centrally. So we're looking at what those infrastructure deficits are and coming up with a plan for uh, what needs to be done in all of our facilities, all of our services, all of our communities, uh, regardless of size or location. And so that, that is a huge capital uh, plan that's being developed, that, that we have continued to develop. I mean, there's parts of it that exist now, and I'm sure you've seen some of it, that talks about uh, what facilities are in need of what kind of, of repairs and renovations. Um, our repairs and renovation budget, just to give you an example, uh, we usually have uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80 million dollars a year that goes into repairs and renovations. That's not redoing an entire wing of a hospital. That's not adding a tower. Uh, these, these are the kinds of renovation budgets that uh, get spent on an annual basis to fix um, sidewalks outside the front entrance to the emergency department that we heard about, for example, in one, in one of our rural communities. Or to uh, provide a secure door in an emergency department that sees a lot of mental health uh, patients and, and requires some security measures in that particular facility. So those are the things that we're talking about with the operating districts and, and turning over the budget for at this point. It may evolve as we evolve the district and as we have evolved the decision making, but uh, major capital projects, uh, major capital bills will still be centralized in its function. Thank you for that. Follow up. Um, I need to uh, clarify. I need to clarify that the, this, these uh, maintenance uh, deficits, uh, especially in some of these uh, hospitals. Uh, one example uh, of local rural hospital that uh, if their their boiler uh, system goes on the fritz and it isn't repairable, is that a major capital or is that just something that 
to locally they can get done because it needs to get done and uh, and all that uh, it, it it's these sorts of uh, well life safety items uh, that to need to be fixed in a lot of these rural hospitals, not just a simple door or a sidewalk. Right. So absolutely, that would be something that gets fixed. I mean, a boiler that goes down that can't be fixed, can't run the facility without the boiler, it gets replaced. So we would be uh, looking at, uh, at making those repairs and, and getting that done as quickly as possible. Thanks for that call. Um, we've got time for a couple of more uh, questions from the room here. Uh, go ahead, Matt, do that one. Thank you. Um, you said in your opening remarks you talked about the um, converse of decision. I've no doubt you've had a chance to review the rural health review committee. They talk about, you know, um, silos, they talk about chasing your tail, organizations to see fatigue and something, you know, changing the proverbial light bulb, taking months if not years because of the way for approval up the ladder. Um, the list goes on. Frustration, people have to be actually having to go buy screws out of their own pocket to fix things. Um, were you surprised by this? When when did it become clear to you that decision making that AHS just wasn't working? Just for the benefit of uh, people listening in, the reporter's question was about frustration at the local level about uh, having to make uh, make decisions and uh, uh, there you have it. So there is a lot of decision making that I think actually works at AHS. I'm not suggesting it's all wrong, but you know, I I was uh, the last ten months I spent a lot of time talking to people in uh, you know, staff and, and physicians and patients uh, right across the province. And you know, one, one example I, I heard very clearly uh, when I was, you know, I was just outside of Calgary in a, in a rural facility and this work clerk, this unit clerk said to me, I used to be able to action a personnel form if I knew that somebody was leaving. I could action that form, I could uh, put up the replacement, we could hire somebody and we could have it all done within you know, four to six weeks. It now takes four to six weeks just to get the form into the central HR office, get approvals, write the report, come back, and sometimes by the time we get approval to post, the person that we would have hired has got a job somewhere else. So that, that was a pretty um, um, electrifying moment for me when I thought, you know, we're, we're putting in place barriers to staff doing what they know that they should be able to do and used to be able to do. So we've worked hard over the last 10 months at identifying what some of those barriers are and coming up with ways and means that we can remove them. We think this operating district model is one way that we can re-energize our site managers, um, let them know that, that they can make those decisions, that in fact we expect them to make those decisions and that we want them to take on that responsibility and that they have our support to do it. In retrospect, decision by Mr. Leeper and the government of the day back in 2008 to essentially blow up what you're reestablishing today. How prudent it was for that matter? So we're not reestablishing what was there before. I hear you, but um, you are localizing decision-making. Some decision-making. How, how prudent was that decision in retrospect? I think it was absolutely one of the smartest things that anybody could do. I think the sustainability of our healthcare system 
uh, is going to be based on the success of a provincial health authority like we have now. What we have to do is separate those things that need to be centralized and those things that can be localized. But we shouldn't assume that a provincial health authority isn't the right way to go. The economies of scale, the efficiencies that we can see, the standardization that we can bring, and being able to bend the cost curve can only be done through something like AHS. But what we've done is taken away the goodness at the local level, and we need to put that back in. Like probably don't know. So the question was, uh, can this be comparable to the way that school boards work? I don't. I probably don't know enough about how school boards work in Alberta to know that. Um, if we think about the big policy issues. They're still going to be made by the board. The board is going to have the uh, ability to govern the whole organization, and, uh, and so maybe that is the way that school boards work. But the actual operationalization of the policies at the local level uh, need to have the support of the community, and we need to hear from the community if we're doing it right or not. I think that you know, since AHS uh, was struck, we spent a lot of time looking at big system change. So we saved $600 million by consolidating and uh, becoming one system. Uh, but we haven't spent enough time thinking about how we actually keep the um, goodness that we get out of hearing from our local constituents, of hearing from our communities about what's really working, what they need. We've lost that kind of, of ability to hear that directly. So that, that's what this is going to do. And if that's how school boards work, then I guess, I guess it's the same. So we currently have two dyad, uh, that two dyad teams that sit at the executive leadership table. So we're going to be changing their role. They're going to be provincially focused. They, right now, they represent Edmonton and the North, and Calgary and Central and South. So what we're going to be doing now is uh, telling them to. Uh, uh, come to the table representing provincial issues. So, not new, but different focus. Thanks very much again, everybody, for coming. And uh, uh, if you didn't get a news release, we do have hard copies on the table outside the door there, and it's obviously going to be posted to the website as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thanks for. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your line and have a great day.